What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Billy Dees. If you've never checked out our program before, first of all, welcome. I'm glad you found us. We are primarily an interview and a commentary podcast. You can find the Billy D's podcast pretty much anywhere podcasts are found, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those. Today on the studio line, I have Gia. Gia, welcome to the program. Thank you, Billy. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Awesome. Um, I want to make sure that I know that we everyone for short calls you Gia. Yes. Um, how do you say your, your name? So my name is an Arabic name and it's pronounced as Juwairia. And uh, so I have a, like a ton of nicknames because a lot of people don't mm-hmm. know how to say it. So uh, the one that stuck was Gia. So Gia. yes. So funny story behind Gia, actually. Okay. Uh, I got this. I got the nickname when I was in college. And because I look Asian, I'm African, but I look Asian. So my friends kept calling me Malay Gia instead of Malaysia. And then I came here to Asia and people thought I was Chinese because of my name. And I was like, why would you think I'm Chinese? They were like, Gia is a Chinese name and it means means joy and family and celebration. I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, Gia is definitely a Chinese name. So um, Gia it is now for now. Well, I got to tell you, um, you have an interesting story. I, I've known Gia from what you might call the world of social audio on Twitter. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. If you don't know what that is, just briefly, so you have a reference, social audio and kind of has always been around. But during the pandemic, um, there was a number of uh, platforms that really took off, Clubhouse being one of them. And basically, they're just a social audio spaces, audio only usually. And you can have a speaker, a guest speaker, a, co- a co-host, what have you, and a number of speakers. And then, of course, a group of people listening. And the more popular uh, types of spaces can get lots and lots of people to listen. And while this was emerging and while we were talking about how to do audio well and all these other things is how I met Gia. Gia is a marketing professional and uh, she's very skilled, very intelligent. I have to be on the top of my game when I talk to Gia because she's really smart. And I, I don't want <laughs> to look as dumb as I really am, right? So oh, now you, not, Okay. Yeah, you're actually, uh, now you, you mentioned it, you're in Malaysia now. Yes. Okay. You have quite the history in terms of travels. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Uh, okay, it's uh, it's a lo- it's a long one, but I'm I'm gonna try to condense it. So, okay. um, my parents are um, Sudanese. My mom is uh, half half Turkish and some Saudi. So they met and they got married and then they moved to the Middle East. And this is where I was born and raised in the Middle East, uh, switching between Saudi Arabia, Dubai. 
around the Middle East, but mostly Saudi Arabia. And uh, when it was time for college, back in the day, in the early 2000s in Saudi Arabia, foreigners were actually not allowed to ha- go to university in the Middle East. So we mm. had to leave back. So we le- I left, went back to Africa, and this is where I did my medical degree. And then I finished, it was about six years, seven years. And then I finished and I went back to the Middle East and I traveled around for a bit. Then I got married and we came to Malaysia and we settled here for now. Well, you're certainly well-traveled and that would be kind of my my next journey, uh, next question about your journey. Being from all those different parts of the world and having experienced all those different cultures and medical school, um, what was some, what, speaking of medical school, what were you going to medical school for? Did you have a, an area of medicine that really interests you? Uh, I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, okay. I wanted to be a doctor since I was a little child and, uh, the president of the university, I remember, so I did the foundation for a medical degree, but then he won't let me actually go to medical degree, finish it fully. Um, he said, you are, you're too brilliant to be just a doctor and marry at the hospital. And I was like, what? but this is my dream. Like I always wanted to be a doctor. So how could you do this to me? And he said, no, I, I know what I'm talking about. So he pushed me to clinical nutrition and being a scientist. And he was right. I excelled. Uh, and I loved it so much. I'm glad because now I'm not married to a hospital. <laughs> uh-huh. And I did the medical degree in cancer. So I specialize oh. in cancer and uh, blood, where uh, this is this is my specialty basically. And I worked for some time in a hospital, and uh, it, it it's just something I love. I love I'm I'm an empathetic person. Yeah. So being there, helping people, like truly, I'm in my element. So this is yeah. where this is, and science, being science, I love I'm I'm a very curious person. So I love I love the experiments. I love trying new things, and uh, yeah, this is where my other uh, passion is. You know, that's interesting that you meant you mentioned being empathetic because uh, my cousin, uh, she's semi-retired now, but she went to medical school a number of years ago. And she mentioned that the way things are in the United States anyway, it's very Mm -hmm. much based on memorization. And one of the things that she noticed was some of the people who were graduating at the top of the class, she knew would not necessarily be the best doctors. And that it seems like being a healer, that's just like everybody has had the experience of someone in the neighborhood had a, a, a parent somewhere that was the one that always fixed the scrapes and knew yeah. what all the home remedies were. They just were a natural healer. Yes. And uh, it certainly seems like you would have that uh, because you're such a well-rounded individual. So do you spend a lot of time in medicine now? Uh, I do, but indirectly. So like, um, I, when I came here, I wanted to continue working in the hospital and continue working in my profession. But unfortunately in Malaysia, they were like, um, we can't allow foreigners to work in the medical field. And I was still young to have my own clinic and be sponsored by the government and all that, you know, Mm -hmm. politics and stuff. So I I couldn't pursue that, but I love how you said it, uh, healers. So like you said, like I am, I'm very empathetic to people. So it's not, it's not just healing by medicine in the words that we Mm -hmm. use today by, you know, pharmaceuticals or anything. No, it's, it's, it could be a spiritual healing. It could be mental healing. It could be just being there for someone. So I have this drive and this, this mission that 
I just want to help as much as I can, even with whatever resources I have that I will just jump in and I will immediately help. It's just who I am. And I love it because it gives me back energy too. So when I help someone heal, it heals me back as well. Yeah. So I understand that, that I've heard that a lot from, from people like yourself. Well, one of the things that I was leading into with this conversation is that getting back to all the traveling that you've done, mm-hmm. how has this, I'll, I'll say both as a professional and as a, as a person, mm-hmm. um, having been through so many parts of the world and actually lived in, in various parts, not just visited, how has that uh, helped you as an individual and as a uh, professional? Uh, one of one word that sticks out to me is open-mindedness is it truly unlocked a lot of, uh, things that I didn't understand about the world people. Uh, it definitely gave me the advantage of being able to run my business the way I can run it right now, because Mm -hmm. I've met people from so many different backgrounds, so many different cultures and, and walks of life too, experiences. So that helps me understand people better and connect with them faster and be able to deliver too. So whenever like I needed something or they needed something from me, I'm able to kind of analyze where, which part of the world this person is from, the language I use, things like that. And, uh, acceptance, acceptance of all of these people from a lot of the different, uh, types of the world. And it's just, it broadens your mind. You feel yeah. like one of the things that I feel being able to travel this much and live in different countries, not just travel, because there's a difference between just hopping countries and actually yeah. living in those countries. Oh, for, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so living in those countries kind of gave me this perspective that I still have so much to learn that mm-hmm. there's so much in this world that I, I just touched a little bit of it and there's just so much more to it. That's a good, that's a great thing. And yeah, that's so true. I, I, I talk to people every once in a while that travel here or there on vacation and they come back and they say, well, you know, what you hear about that place isn't true at all. Cause I was there blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, where, where did you go? And actually yeah. you went to where they wanted you to go. Exactly. You know, you saw what you wanted them to, what they wanted you to see. Exactly. Uh, actually having lived there, you can get for better or for worse can give you a whole, a whole different uh, perspective. So you talk about your business and uh, I would say certainly I know you from the marketing side of things. Um, you mentioned about building your business. Um, can you describe a little bit about what it is that you do and what your when you talk about marketing, what type of marketing do you do? What type of individual, what type of company would be a perfect client for you? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, <clears throat> all right. So I'm an, I'm an online marketing specialist. I build businesses, online businesses specifically from the ground up. And uh, I also do content. I'm a consultant for content marketing and high-end funnels for coaches specifically. And um, now I'm recently also coaching for social audio. I'm adding social audio into the marketing mix for a lot of clients. So I'm doing that. And one of the things that uh, truly brings me joy is watching a business literally flourish from nothing. They did not exist online. And then you see this just thing, just bloom online and just be available and visible for people. And uh, one of the things that I lead within my business is purpose. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that I question my clients with is what's the purpose of this business or what's the purpose of, of this goal or et cetera, because I believe in building stronger foundations for any online business for, for it to be able to survive. Like we just went through the pandemic. 
Right. And a lot of businesses died because of the pandemic, because of the foundation. So this is one of the things that I, I pride myself in. It's the foundation that I built for clients. Like I still have clients from four or five years ago. They're still running the same thing. They're still making money from it. It's just because of the, the staple foundation. Uh, what I'm looking forward to in, a, in clients, the clients that I'm looking for are coaches, solo entrepreneurs specifically, because I've done this myself. I've built my business as a solo entrepreneur in mm-hmm. a, in a completely different country, a global business. So this yeah. is one thing that I'm, I'm helping clients for with. So coaches, uh, solo entrepreneurs, uh, podcasters who would like to start their own businesses or brands. I'm a branding consultant as well. So anyone who would like to grow an online business. That is fantastic. Now being somewhat of a, a global, you have a, you know, a pretty wide reach with your business. With social media, um, does social media work differently in terms of what people respond to and so forth? When you go from different regions of the world, those those cultures and so on and so forth, how are the uh, the behavior of those individuals? Maybe one strategy might work for a client in, in this place, but not so much in that place. Does that get kind of complicated or, or does it, is there a lot of similarities? How would you describe that? Um, actually there are massive differences from one country mm-hmm. to the other, uh, especially the way, because when, when you're doing marketing, you're, you're targeting it to a specific audience. Mm-hmm. So every time a client comes to me, like for example, Malaysian marketing is extremely different from American marketing. It's actually yeah. 15 years late. So when a client comes to me, when a, when a, a Malaysian client comes to me, I have to get back to the strategies that were done 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Or, or 10 years ago or five years ago and kind of go back from there and, and try to establish it. In the Middle East, it's a completely different kind of marketing as well. It's the, the foundation of marketing, the steps of marketing are all the same. It's mm-hmm. just the execution. Yeah. It's where it's different because it's different cultures, different backgrounds. And having worked with so many different cultures in different countries, uh, if anyone comes to me now, I reach this level where if anyone comes to me, it's like, all I have to know is where they're from, what do they need, what's the product, service, or whatever they're trying to sell, and what are they trying to get out of it? And then boom, I can just immediately analyze it and do it. And the analytical part is from the medical and science sure, science part. Yeah. So, Having lived in so many places has to be so helpful with that. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, well, sure. That seems uh, you know pretty obvious there. Uh, you mentioned a couple things. Let's talk about now. Do you have a podcast? What's going on with that? Yes, I do. I have two actually. Okay. Uh, one is called the uh, Social Audio Decoded with Gia, and the other show is called Decoded with Gia. Okay. Uh, so the first one I started. Uh, podcasting was always my dream. I always wanted to do that. And uh, to be able to do it and live through it is one of the most amazing and satisfying feelings I've felt the past couple of years. Uh, The social audio decoded with Gia actually started because a lack of something that I was looking for. Okay. So I I heard of social audio. I've been to Clubhouse. I didn't enjoy the vibe in Clubhouse. And then Twitter Spaces came and I loved it. And I, I've began to find my voice. I connected with people. But then I, I, I saw the potential of social audio in growing brands and individuals and connecting and messaging, mm-hmm. etc. So I included it into my marketing mix for new clients or my existing clients. But then they kept asking me the same thing. Where do I include this? 
in my marketing or my sales or how, how am I supposed to do that? Because everyone is turned off by that way of salesy clubhouse way. It's like, oh, they give you like this much value. And then the rest of it is, oh, sign up to my newsletter or buy this or buy that to be like sure. me. So they didn't want to do that. So I looked around and I looked around and I couldn't find anyone who was talking about this. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go handpick the ones who have established themselves in social audio. And I'm just going to interview them. How did you do this? Teach me. Yeah. So this is literally how Social Audio Decode with Gia kind of came to uh, conception. And then from that, uh, I realized like a lot of people now are adopting social audio. So it's not as needed as before. So then Decoded with Gia came. Uh, I love deep intellectual debates where we explore new topics. And uh, a lot of the friends that I have that I used to do that with kind of left the country or they're busy with their children and life and et cetera. So then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take it to the internet. Let's just ask my people. Let's talk about this. So what I did is uh, every week we would bring a topic. Like, for example, the threats of social media outweigh the benefits. This is one of the topics we discussed. And it's Mm -hmm. just two parts of the debate. And I hear global perspectives. And it's just so amazing because every episode, similar people, same people, but different global perspectives. And every time something, I learn something every day. Sure. From, from yeah. this show. So. Yeah, that's, that's, that's one of the things I really enjoy. Like, well, for example, anytime I talk to you, I'm bound to learn something. And that, that really brings a lot of value, um, you know, to your program when you as a host and the audience are learning things together. Mm-hmm. Um, l- let me kind of go into this social audio thing here just a little bit more. Yes. I can tell you that I, I really like the component of Twitter spaces in that no matter what field you are in, what marketplace you are in, whether it be, let's say, my wheelhouse, I have a lot of authors. Um, there's a lot of people who do marketing. There's a lot of people who do uh, macro things. And I say macro like uh, music. You know, you can buy mm. someone's music anymore, anywhere. If you have a local lawnmower business, probably not so much Twitter. But, you know, here again, when you have something like a book or anything like that, that can be purchased and read anywhere. What I really like about Twitter is the trending aspect of it. It's probably more real time than anything else. When something's happening somewhere, it's on Twitter. So with that being said, I always felt that Twitter Spaces was a a good fit because those people were already there. The one thing I would modify is that I, I, it seems that for whatever reason, users of Twitter haven't come to Twitter spaces in large numbers. Mm-hmm. All right. And the other thing is, is as Twitter's go, going through some changes now, I'm not sure this has anything to do with it. Uh, Twitter spaces, to me, this is my opinion, was always a little bit glitchy. Never really sounded that great. Mm. Um, and obviously, it, it was designed to be used for end users, for people to hold their phone and, and participate in. And that's understood. Then Wisdom came along a little bit more. It had... Uh, a little bit better sound quality and and a little bit more of the features of, let's say, a production tool. And now lately, I've gotten on Firehouse. Uh, Excuse me, not Firehouse, Fireside. Fireside. It is a a Firehouse, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's really hot. It's pretty um, lit. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty lit. Uh, Fireside, interestingly enough, has, has been good for me I really like the aspects that you can stream with it. You know, you can stream to YouTube and all these other places, Twitch and so on. 
Um, it will give you separate files to download so you can process them separately. And uh, it's it seems very stable. Um, I, I haven't had uh, any any problems to speak of with it at all. So I'm kind of leaning right now uh, toward Fireside for, for social audio. And I want to stress that for me, social audio is something that accents the podcast. It does not take the place of it. I know a lot, a lot of podcasters have switched to social audio and they record them and repurpose them. I don't necessarily do that. I mean, I do that once in a while, but that's, that's not the mainstay of how my, my mm-hmm. programs are produced. So with that being said, what has worked for you? Okay, so I tried uh, I tried Fireside and I loved it. I fell in love mm-hmm. with it immediately. Like the, it's exactly the features that I was trying to find right. on Twitter. Because remember, on Twitter last year, um, I think I was the first one that introduced the intro music into my show. Okay. So, because I didn't hear anyone do that before, and I was attending everyone's faces, and I was the first one who like introduced the music in the intro. But then okay. when you hear the recording, it was so bad. Yes, <laughs> it was so bad. So that kind of uh, so then you have to like chop it off and edit the music and do all of the extra production work. And uh, like you said, a lot of people are. One thing I noticed that a lot of people are just strolling in and out of Twitter Spaces. Yeah. Yeah, no one is like taking it because the the kind of spaces that I provide are master classes. Yeah. So I do get the viewership or the listenership, but it's it's just no one is taking it seriously as like, oh, let me today is the day for this master class. I'm going to come here. So mm-hmm. that kind of is a bit let down, but I I do enjoy Fireside, but one of the things that makes Twitter Spaces stand out is the real life raw experience. Yes. That's why people love it. That's why I think, I think for me, uh, if I'm going to predict this, I think Fireside is where master classes like your content, my content are going to like shine through, but people still will lean back to Twitter spaces. They will still go back and join that. Like they will go back and watch our recordings for that masterclass. But if they see you joining in live and discussing and having that discussion live with them, I think they will join more on, on Twitter spaces. I would totally agree with that. I think that, you know, obviously there's more people on Twitter, but I Mm. think what Fireside has is you have a much more savvy group of people who are demanding uh, something that's a cut above. And for somebody like you, obviously it's a great place to be. Uh, You're going to have people come up and ask intelligent questions and things like that. Not that in any way uh, Twitter spaces is less intelligent in some way, but it is more... Like you said, it's much more fluid. You have people that are there for other reasons other than audio. Uh, they're there for, for the tweets or they're there to follow sports events or whatever. And they run across Twitter spaces. And it's both, it's, it's both a good and bad thing because yeah. you do have, like you said, a very vibrant group of people. You have instant access to a, a certain segment of the population but by the same token, you have a lot of people that are just flipping from one one space to another until they find something that they yeah, like. Exactly. They're just so, space hopping. Uh, yeah, space hopping. Yes. So um, the only thing here again, and I, the, my experience with it lately has been uh, the dependability of it. 
And I, I think mm-hmm. if they get that under control, I know Twitter is going through a lot of changes right now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, I think if they get that under control, it could be one of the things that makes that platform stand out. Mm-hmm. Have you tried LinkedIn Audio or any of those yet? Uh, I have uh, with uh, with a group that I collaborated with for a show for a live audio show, but we only get like two to three people, and they don't participate. So, yeah. so we kind of, I, I kind of just dropped it and I would honestly rather just focus on where I can find my audience and where I can, can get the results that I'm looking forward to and get the message across instead of, um, diluting myself all over the platforms. But for now, my yeah. folk, my main focus is definitely just fireside and, and, and Twitter spaces. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah. I, I would totally agree with that. Um, I like LinkedIn overall. I think it's good, yeah. let's say, through the course of a week to stay, <clears throat> do something on it, post on it, whatever. But it's just the opposite of Twitter. Sometimes uh, yeah. Twitter is too active, but <laughs> LinkedIn sometimes can be really lackluster. Yes. I mean, you know, you know, there's yeah. people on there. Wow, you can do yeah. video on LinkedIn. Wow, that's really something. <laughs> So I know what you mean. Yes. What's, yeah. uh, I, I really like the stiff people that always come up, uh, seem to come up. Oh, what's my ROI on this? What's my ROI? I know um, you can't put yeah. an ROI on that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, you can't dissect audio or video and it's like, Oh, this element here will give you back your ROI. Well, I'll ask you this. That's something that uh, with content marketing, mm-hmm. you know, when I, um, it, it's funny you say back in the day after the year 2000, I'm thinking that's back in the day. Well, I could tell you what back in the day really is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but back in the day, like when uh, we used to record on these strips of uh, ribbon, uh, they were pretty amazing. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> they were called tape. And uh, back in those days, uh, let's say back in the early, early 1990s, I used to actually uh, produce audio on what was called a half track. Hmm. And I would have to drive them around to different radio stations and whatnot. And they would be transferred to what was called a cart machine. And a cart machine was kind of like a continuous loop tape. Okay. And the disc jockeys would load them into a slot and you would have like all your commercials for the next half hour or whatever. And then all the songs you were going to play. And when they played, because they're a continuous loop, they would be queued up for the next disc jockey. And back in those days, um, you could have an ROI. It was very much a formula similar to what direct marketing for uh, mail was. Mm. You know, so many letters you send out, you're going to get one or 2% response, blah, blah, blah. And advertising in general just doesn't work like that anymore. And a lot of people from the old school really expect instant results. And branding is a process and content marketing is really, uh, you know, about getting information out there that's going to lead people to you. It's not like I'm going to, I paid for 12 spots on this radio station this week and I should have this much of an increase on happy hour. It just doesn't work that way. No. Do do you have that problem? Uh, Do a lot of people expect that? Or do you have to manage expectations when you're going down that road? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, yes, I get the people who are like, can you make me go viral? Yeah. And it's like, I can't do that. It's, yeah. it's, it takes a lot of work. And uh, right now, I like what you mentioned when you said is like, you know, you book a couple of spots to 
achieve a certain result. It's the same thing for advertising right now, but it's just, there are no, the way the results are measured back in the day are very different from how they're measured right now. So we have the likes, we have the shares, we have the DMs. So I measure the success rate for an advert, uh, for an ad or for a campaign is through how many people actually came through the DMs and spoke and asked or clicked on the link or did things like that. Because honestly, likes and shares are nothing. Like they don't yeah. do anything. Like I could just sit here and like everyone's tweets, but I'm not interested. I'm just supporting the person or I just like what they're talking about, but I'm not interested in actually buying. So it doesn't really measure anything. Sure, sure. Um, so one of the things that a lot of uh, clients struggle with is instant growth. Is mm-hmm. that they, again, the foundation, that's where branding comes in the foundation. The foundation, when I say branding, it's not the colors, it's not the logo, it's not the website. It's Mm -hmm. the words that you use in your brand. What does it stand for? Who are the people that you're targeting? So once that's established, if I post anything after I establish those things, if I post anything, it will immediately hit someone that needed that. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you have 10 followers and they're like buyers and they will buy from you every single time. It's better than having 20,000 followers who just like and share your content and no one buys anything from you. Exactly right. Yeah. One of the things that I, I've, I've always said, if you're a home builder, for example, and you produce a podcast and you only get five or 10 people a month that listens to it, but eventually somebody connects with you enough to contract a new home, it's paid for itself. <laughs> exactly. You know, you know exactly. it's paid for, it, it has paid for itself. Exactly. Um, you have, you mentioned a lot about, you know, here again, this approach if people are listening to this and they're, you know, they're trying to get ideas because yeah. one of the good things about the way things work now with digital media is that everybody has access. Yes. The bad news is, is that everybody has access. Um, there's yes. a lot of, there's a lot of voices out there. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if someone's listening and they're, they're, they're trying to get some new ideas about where to go, what would you advise someone who's just starting out in terms of building a presence, building a brand online? Step number one, stop buying courses. Please, Mm. please stop buying courses. Your drive is already full of 10 of them. And I was guilty of that too, by the way. So Mm. the minute I stopped buying courses and actually focused on mastering my craft. So one of the things that I did is that what do I enjoy and what do I not enjoy? For example, Mm. I I didn't enjoy scheduling social media posts. I enjoy the strategy behind it. But I just disliked uh, scheduling them and posting them every time and managing comments. I just hated yeah. it. So what I did was I focused on enhancing my strategy. How can I build strategies and funnels and things like that? So one of the, th- uh, the second thing that you need to do is master your craft. After you stop buying courses, just master your craft and stick with the people that y- you see yourself as in five years or in 10 years with this craft that you're trying to master. Let's say it's funnels. So find people who are really good with funnels and just stick with that person. Stop buying 10 courses for funnels. Just stick with one person, with one guru or coach or whatever, and just go with that process. Once you reach that level and you feel like you're outgrowing them, then you start going into your next level. Um, Mm -hmm. The third thing I would tell, I would say is, um, so surround yourself uh, second, third thing is, um, put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. 
just put yourself out there. If it's the internet is full of thousands and millions of content that is just pushed every single second, just put yourself yeah. out there. Just experiment. Do that TikTok video that you were afraid of. Just experiment what you like, what you don't like, because you will not know what you like or don't like or what you enjoy or what you're passionate about unless you literally yeah. just put it out there. Start that podcast, record yourself, hear yourself. It's okay. Even if people like were like thought was cringy, it's okay. There's a next one coming. So absolutely. And you're always growing. You know, uh, yes. like I said, I, I mentioned the early 1990s, which is what 30 some odd years I've been doing this. And even after all those years, I listened to something that I did last year. And I'll say, I could have done that so much better today. Mm. You know, you're always growing. That's part of the the process. So don't don't feel uh, discouraged or, you know, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, Because no matter what you do, you're going to get better at it. And uh, yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Gia, you are always such a wealth of information. Uh, (laughs) Let's start with where people can find you online. I know you have a presence on Twitter. Let's start there. Where can people find you online? Okay. So uh, my main platform is definitely Twitter. This is my home. Uh, But I'm literally available in every single platform with this handle that I have here under my name, uh, Ajia Al-Hassan. So I'm trying to grow my Instagram again. Uh, It's Instagram's changed so much. So I'm trying to grow there again. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. And the podcast and more about me and social audio is at decodedwithgia.com. That is fantastic. Now you do the spaces. Do you do, you do them at any given time or uh, is there? Well, I, I should say this. Uh-huh. People should follow you on Twitter, not only because of the fact that you got a lot of things going on with the spaces and you obviously tweet out information about your podcast and all that, but you got some big things going on. Oh, yeah. You know, you, yeah, you, 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 we, we <laughs> can't say yet, but there, there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's some spokesmanships going on and some yes. other things. So to keep abreast of that, I would say follow you. But do you have a, uh, uh, a given time that you do your, uh, your podcast on or, or your spaces on any of those types of things? Yes. So uh, the spaces, the live spaces are every Mondays at 8.30 p.m. EST. Uh, We're scheduling. I'm trying to find another slot for a second show uh, because demand is higher and I'm trying to fit in with everyone, especially with the time zones. Uh, But the podcast comes in. So as soon as we finish the episode, I will produce it and then launch it the next week. So it's so if you miss the live, you'll get the, uh, the recorded episode later on. Awesome. Gia, it's a pleasure talking to you. You know, you're always welcome here. Reach out anytime. Uh, you're, yeah. it, you're always such a wealth of information and you're always so enthusiastic about marketing. Of course, you, that kind of yeah. comes with the territory. You got to like it, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Awesome. All right. Well, here again, you can find Gia on Twitter and it's at J-I-A underscore E-L-H-A-S-S-A-N. All right. And uh, make sure you follow her. She's got a lot going on. And if you if you want to learn more about marketing and get some ideas and just uh, get enthusiastic about marketing, I would very much advise you checking out Gia. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Billy, for having me. I always love our conversations. Awesome. Great. You can follow me on Twitter and you can tweet me as long as you're nice. Uh, <laughs> at Billy D's. I'm at Billy D's on Twitter and I'm pretty much Billy D's on everything. I'm 
The only variation might be the Billy D's podcast, but it's it's Billy D's. I don't have different screen names. So uh, you can find me on pretty much any um, uh, platform. And uh, kind of like Gia, Twitter is kind of like my social media home. Mm-hmm. And I've been there a long time and uh, a lot of changes happening there. But I, yes. I actually... Th- Quick prediction before we go. Obviously, uh-huh. Twitter's going through a lot of changes, new ownership, new this, new that. Do you think that's going to be a good thing? It's probably going to take about six months before us to, to really have a good picture of it. Mm-hmm. But are, are you hopeful that the, that Twitter is going to survive and remain very, uh, very relevant? Oh, yes, definitely. 100%. Twitter is always going to be the 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 king of social media because of the authenticity of it, because like, it's yes. just raw because in so other social media, like I'm, I'm spending more time on Instagram now trying to decode it, but it's just so many filters and so many things happening, yeah. but Twitter, there's nothing like Twitter. So it takes a person psychologically to adopt a new change three months. Yes. So everyone will resist it, but I already see people accepting it and um, it will definitely shine brighter and you'll see more people coming to Twitter too. I definitely predict that. Yeah, I believe that too. And, uh, and Elon, whether you like it or not, the changes had to come to that platform mm-hmm. no matter what because changes were in the wind. So something had to happen, new ownership or not, for, for it to continue. So I, I believe it's on the right track. Yeah. Gia, thank you so much. Thank you, Billy. All right, and we will absolutely thank you so much for coming on. And as far as the audience goes, thank you so much for listening in, and we will talk to you again next week. I'm Billy Dees and host of the self-titled podcast, The Billy Dees Podcast. We are primarily an interview and a commentary-based podcast featuring authors and creators talking about their craft, advocates for community issues, and myself and an array of co-hosts discussing current events. There's no partisan ranting and raving going on here, just great content. You can find The Billy Dees Podcast on your favorite platform and on Twitter at Billy Dees. Thank you, and I hope you listen in.